After all that bull you've been talking about for years, you haven't got any further advance yet. Why not believe in Confucius or Buddha? And their friends, Buddha. Number of people. What's the? Why not believe in the doctrines of Confucius or Buddha? Oh, the confusion of your own heart. Oh, don't be ridiculous. That was a particularly rowdy day at Speaker's Corner back in 1966. The corner in Sydney's domain has long been regarded as the home of free speech. But even here, there are things that can't be said. Anthony Dockerell, you're not telling me that 18C has nobbled the hallowed speaker's corner, are you? No need for 18C, Nick. There's a regulation in the domain that means you can cop an 1100 buck fine for offensive language. In fact, right now, you'll find 350 laws on the books that impinge in some way on our democratic rights, including freedom of speech which begs the question, why all the focus on Section 18C? Insult, offend, humiliate or intimidate. 18C, now that's, that's the issue that won't go away. Changing 18C, I don't think why? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. You're listening to Just Words, a podcast where we tell stories from 18C. I'm your host, Nick Healy, and if you're new to Just Words, then all you need to know is that Section 18C is the part of our Racial Discrimination Act that makes it illegal to offend, insult, humiliate or intimidate someone due to their race. Today we're looking at how some angry white men are completely right and also completely wrong. There is a threat to free speech in Australia. There are actually some really worrying things about our laws that don't guarantee free speech, but our politicians are looking in the wrong place. A word of warning before this episode, we're about to venture into the realm of the angry white man, and some of what you hear may cause offence. Anthony, where does our journey into the 18C heart of darkness begin? Where else but television? David Lionhelm and Malcolm Roberts, welcome. Thank you very much, Barry. Pleasure to be here. So Liberal Democrat David Lynham and One Nation's Malcolm Roberts won the ABC's Insiders. They were talking about things like the workings of the new crossbench, and budget repair when host Barry Cassidy turned the conversation to 18C. Now, I'm pretty sure both of these gentlemen would have had some fairly negative opinions about that. You got it. Here's Malcolm Roberts. Very important. It's very important to the country, Barry, because at the moment, a lot of people are afraid to speak up. What tends to happen is we address the messenger rather than the message. The issue is not not discussed instead because people are afraid of speaking up. This was all done, as I understand it, to noble Andrew Bolt. And Julia Gillard did that. So um, we have to remove this so that we can have a recent, a decent discussion on the actual issues. Now, Malcolm Roberts was wrong about Julia Gillard bringing in 18C to noble Andrew Bolt. Uh, it's not the first time Malcolm Roberts has found himself a stranger to the facts. To be fair, Nick, he's only off by 15 years or by three prime ministers. That's pretty good by his standards. The important thing to note here is that Malcolm Roberts made it clear, I can't actually hurt his feelings. Barry, you can call me short, you can call me fat, you can call me a Queenslander, you can call me a a cane toad, whatever you want to call me. The only person who decides whether I'm upset is me. Hang on a minute, is he actually saying what I think he's saying? He is, and David Lynham made the point explicit. Well, I think I agree with Malcolm. If you want to take offence, that's your choice. You have the choice of choosing another feeling. Offence is always taken, not given. So if you don't want to be offended, you, it's up to you. Don't be offended. That's, that's it. You know, we're not responsible for the feelings of other people. None of us are. So you choose to be offended. This is their big argument for getting rid of 18C, that racial discrimination 
comes down to a choice, and we have no responsibility for the words we say or write. It's all on the person hearing them or reading them. You're not the only one who thinks this is a ridiculous position. So I'm Christopher Wilson. I am a current doctorate student at the University of Oxford and a lecturer at the University of Reading. You could probably call me one of Andrew Bolt's professional Aboriginals. So my, my background is my dad's family's Arabana from Kaditunda Lake Air in Central South Australia. Uh, so I've been interested in 18C for quite a few years. And in case you're wondering about those bird sounds, uh, Christopher was walking through some English woods when we spoke to him. I mean, this notion that offence is taken, is never given, is a bit juvenile, really. I, it, it ignores the day-to-day lived experience of people in their day-to-day interactions. Some people are faced with racial discrimination on a daily basis. It's not that easy to turn the other cheek. Back at The Insiders... Fairfax journalist Mark Kenny, the national political editor for The Age and the City Morning Herald, also happened to be watching that morning. As he sat sipping his morning coffee, his TV on the ABC, Kenny could hardly refuse the challenge laid down by the Liberal Democrat Senator from New South Wales. It was time to test the threshold for offence. I uh, sat there um, in some degree of uh, disbelief, really, to uh, see these two characters uh, speaking so blithely about... uh, about discrimination and the effects of discrimination and the effects of um, racial vilification or any sort of vilification, really, uh, it struck me that these two um, men, uh, middle-aged men, were uh, the least likely to have ever experienced this kind of treatment. And the suggestion, the assertion they made that uh, that, that taking offence was uh, entirely within the sort of province of the, uh, you know, the, the victim of that, that abuse to decide to either be offended or not. I thought that was, uh, frankly, a laughable proposition, and I decided to test it. The very next day after Insiders aired, Mark Kenny's column appeared in the Fairfax Papers, and he tested their proposition to the fullest, that offence is taken, never given. Kenny wrote, It's a case of wacky and wackier. You see, this gormless duo has declared, with all their angry white male certitude, that a verbal abuser cannot cause offence or humiliation. It's all in the mind of the recipient. Now, I've read Mark Kenny's article. Uh, It's brutal and, in my opinion, bloody hilarious, I've got to admit. He calls David Lionhelm boorish and said that he had the empathy of a besser block. And he also called Malcolm Roberts a fringe dweller. It was provocative and, I would have said, extremely calculated. Mark Kenny would agree. It obviously showed that they had not had any first-hand experience of discrimination as a result of uh, race or sexuality or religion or any other um, disadvantaged group. Uh, they'd never been on the end of uh, such discrimination and had no sense of it, no, no feeling for it. And, uh, and therefore, I made those comments about their assertions and also about their fundamental lack of empathy and um, you know, I had it obviously uh, in my mind that uh, they, they'd given me complete freedom to make those assertions because they asserted that they could not be offended. Now, Kenny also raises a really important point. It's not just that Lionhelm and Robert seem to lack any experience of discrimination, uh, that they have no idea what it feels like. They lack even the basic empathy required to put themselves into someone else's shoes. I mean, they either can't or they won't do it. And it's not just these two men finding it hard to walk a mile in someone's shoes. Back on the 21st of March, Harmony Day, the Turnbull government announced that it would change 18C to remove offend, insult, humiliate, and replace it with the word harass. 
This move had many people scratching their heads asking why the idea of offending, insulting or humiliating someone on the basis of their race was a positive change for our society. On the very day Malcolm Turnbull was trying to explain the benefits of this new kind of speech, Australian author Benjamin Law, who identifies in his Twitter handle as a prominent Asian, chose to draw attention to the potential watering down of 18C by starting the hashtag Freedom of Speech on Twitter. This was his first tweet and language warning here. To celebrate the coalition tampering with the RDA on Harmony Day, let's share some stories of racism with the hashtag Freedom of Speech. I'll start. At the age of 10, I was at the local pool as a group of white boys held my head underwater, laughing at me for being Asian. Gold Coast, 21. Man slams into my shoulder, saying, Fucking gook? Retaliated, but would have been bashed if not for mates. Hashtag freedom of speech. Stories of racism started flooding Twitter after Law posted. What percentage Aboriginal are you? Like, you're not just Aboriginal. Said at gala dinner with over 500 ATSI intern students. Hashtag freedom of speech. Was once spat on outside a synagogue by a man who muttered fucking Jew before walking away. If you don't like it, piss off and go back to where you came from. I'm First Nations. This is my country. I saw a white man on a train spit on a Sudanese man as he called him a monkey. It was horrific. Two months ago, I was walking down the street when a guy shouted out, Fuck you, you Chinese bitch. Get out of my country. Hashtag freedom of speech. I remember reading some of those tweets and i got to say it made me ashamed. Maybe i got to say ashamed of the country as well. I think we should shame all of us that anyone is going through that in Australia. Well, let's go back to the Mark Kenny article. He, he writes a damning and devastating attack on these two gentlemen. And I know they've said offences taken but never given. Anthony, was either David Lionhelm or Malcolm Roberts actually offended? Well, we're going to concentrate on David Lionham from here, as Malcolm Roberts is now, shall we say, a fringe dweller to the rest of this story. Here's what Lionham had to say about being offended on Channel 10's The Project. No. My, well, look, my, my feelings are not relevant to the case. The law doesn't require my feelings to be hurt. Now, as it happens, I think my feelings are up to me. I choose how I feel. A supercilious and... know-all? Did it hurt your feelings at all? That's the project's Peter Hillier. If, some, if, somebody, if somebody had said that who I respected, well, you know, I might, I might take offence at it. Um, the one that really got me was the infantile reasoning. I mean, that, that came close to, um, that came close to uh, offending me. But again, it wasn't, uh, I, you know, if it was said by somebody who I have respect for, and there's not a lot of people in that category, then I probably would have been offended. Are you saying, are you, saying you, you don't respect me as well? Because I repeated those accusations, uh, it, Mr Lionhelm. Uh, Respect has to be earned, has to be earned. <laughs> okay, so he's clearly stated he wasn't offended. What did he decide to do after that? David Lynham lodged a complaint under 18C with the Human Rights Commission. He claimed that Mark Canney had racially vilified him by calling him an angry white male. Now, I've heard about this, I've read about this, it still blows my mind. He goes to the Human Rights Commission over Mark Kenny's article after telling everyone that he definitely 100% was not offended. 
Yeah, he claims he wanted to demonstrate how 18C limits free speech. I've got to say, it is a very strange way for a free speech advocate to, um, uh, I guess, ply his craft by trying to restrict a journalist's words. I mean, if David really believes in free speech, then surely that's everyone's free speech. Uh, you've got to pick a lane at some point. Well, here's the apparent logic of the move. If we take Lynham at his word, his attempt to access 18C was to help him prove his point that 18C places an undue burden on free speech. He was looking for an I told you so moment. I guess he wanted a way to attack 18C from the inside so he could turn around and say, I told you 18C is a bad law. Look what it's done in this case when I wasn't even offended. Has Section 18C of the Racial Discrimination Act ever been used before to protect white men? Well, the way Lynam and Ilk are carrying on, you'd think white men is the new N-word. Well, people do love to be offended when they're taking offence. Talking of offence, here's George Brandis speaking in the Senate the night the proposed 18C reforms were voted down, 31 to 28. Indeed, it is the crowning irony of this debate that those who champion Section 18C have actually, in this very debate, attacked those of us who favour reform because of the colour of our skin. When... On Tuesday, I said that I did not believe that Australia was a racist nation. What did Senator Billick say by way of interjection? Coming from a white man, she said. The way George Brandis is howling in the Senate here, you would be led to believe that this law is only for minorities. But when you take the time to read 18C, it says offend, insult, humiliate or intimidate someone for their race, colour or national or ethnic origin. So I guess if we're going to classify minority groups on race, it stands the reason that majority groups are also a race for the purpose of 18C? Yeah, and while this is the first 18C claim based on the term angry white male, it's not the first involving terms applied to white people. Actually, the very first 18C case involved the use of the terms POM and POMIES. I've got to say, some people can and do consider POM to be offensive. So a little bit of clarity on this. Why did calling someone a POM fail under 18C? 20 years ago, a guy called Richard Bryant, he was, well, let's call him an Englishman. That's a careful choice of words there. He took an action in the Human Rights Commission against the Sunday Mail in Queensland for the use of the word POM and POMIES, which had appeared in letters and articles published by the newspaper. Brian claimed the term was offensive and insulting to English people. And this failed. Yep, Commissioner Sir Ronald Wilson found that while the word POM may have caused real offence for Richard Bryant, it did not cause that much offence and it wasn't a word that could cause offence in all circumstances. He said in his ruling... It would be an extreme case where the use of the words POM and POMI would attract such a degree of seriousness as to be unlawful within the meaning of the Act. And remember, this is the very first case under 18C, back in 1997, and although 18C became law in 1994, no one had actually tested it until now. In those days, the Human Rights Commission had the final say, but now these decisions are made in the federal court by a judge. Okay, so the ruling was you can offend someone with the word POM, but that the offence has limits. Exactly, and keep in mind that 18C is part of the Racial Discrimination Act. Is it reasonable to think the word POM could incite racial hatred or racially vilify? Look, I've got to say, uh, from my point of view, no. So calling someone a POM may cause an individual some level of pain, but it wasn't enough under the objective test of 18C to be successful here. Despite what you repeatedly hear in the debate on 18C, causing offence is not enough under the law. 
It's designed to protect people from racial abuse, not hurt feelings. So let's return to our angry white males. David Lionhelm wasn't offended or hurt by the Mark Kenny article, but he still lodged a complaint under 18C with the Human Rights Commission. Now, was the fact he wasn't offended a problem for that complaint? It certainly didn't help. Christopher Wilson again, and he's still in the English woods. So uh, part of Lionhelm's uh, complaint and the reason why it was struck down is that he publicly claimed that he wasn't offended. Now, that's not a requirement. He's, he's correct when he says that, that his personal offence isn't a requirement for whether or not uh, something is unlawful under 18C, but it is a requirement to have standing to launch an action. You need to be a person aggrieved. What Christopher Wilson is referring to is a little section of the Australian Human Rights Commission Act known as 46P. Now, if Lynham had done his homework, and I'm kind of glad he didn't, he would know that in order to lodge an 18C claim, the person making the claim needs to be aggrieved. And going on national television, boasting about your 18C claim and how you're not offended by it, well, it probably means you're going to fall foul of 46P. And really, that seems fair enough. Otherwise, we would have frivolous claims like this one all the time. I mean, uh, all right, Lionhelm's position as a free speech advocate made him unable to acknowledge that he was aggrieved without shooting down his own public position that offence is always taken, not given. So without being aggrieved, he's unable to lodge a complaint under 18C. You got it. Okay, Anthony, let's say for argument's sake that Lionhelm was deeply aggrieved and hurt, Let's assume that's possible. Does calling someone an angry white male qualify under Section 18C as a racial discrimination? The test for angry white male, like the word POM, has to be an objective test. Now, Nick, where are you from? Where am I from? Yeah. I was born in a very small country town. No, no, mate. Where are you from? Oh, see, you know, I mate, where, where, where your pants come from? I don't get asked that, do I? No. Because I look white, so everyone assumes I was born here. Yeah, no one asked me that. I've never been asked that question. I think you're asking me, would the term angry white male offend me? Would it? No. No, it really 100% wouldn't. In fact, it'd just make me check my behaviour because if I was being called angry, I'd assume I was doing something to be called angry. Maybe I was intimidating someone. Maybe I was the problem if someone wanted to call me an angry white male. So, Nick, we're, we're white, we're male. We belong to exactly the same group as David Lynham. He doesn't speak for me, though, and I want to make that 100% absolutely clear. David Lionhelm does not speak for me. I do not take offence at the term angry white male. I, it's, a, it, it's a bit of a shallow kind of way of describing it, but I play a lot of video games. And being male, cisgendered, hetero and white means I'm playing on the easiest setting of the entire world. Uh, most of everything I need is handed to me. I don't have a lot of difficulties. What you're saying is the group that you and I belong to, it's a privileged group and, and you know it, I know it. Does David Lionhelm know he's privileged? David Lionhelm, I think, may. He's more privileged than you and me. He's wildly more privileged than you or I. Uh, I think he knows it. I just think he doesn't care. So even if your feelings were hurt, Nick, under 18C, it, it can't be just, you know, you feel a little bit of pain and you're a bit upset and you want to go and, and complain to somebody. It's got to be something serious. And that's just what the commission found. Lionhelm's claims basically failed because they were frivolous. So in the end, we've got Senator David Lionhelm. He's a free speech advocate who said that 18C restricted his speech. And then he had his very, very public test of 18C show that free speech is actually doing pretty well okay under the law as his claim was withdrawn from the commission. And all because he failed to be aggrieved for being called an angry white man. Yes, angry white male zero, 
White males at Fairfax won. Game, set and match. Thank you, ball boys. Even though the 18C debate has been put to bed in Canberra for now, after the reforms were voted down in the Senate, it's worth noting that Lynham still has a bill before Parliament calling for the removal of Section 18C in its entirety. I also intend to introduce my own bill, which is to uh, abolish 18C, in fact, Part 2, which is, includes the other sections that, that support 18C. Now, we started our story looking at freedom of speech and the 350-odd laws that restrict what and where we can say certain things. But Dean of Law at UNSW, George Williams, has some interesting things to say about 18C and freedom of speech in this country. When it comes to free speech, you've got to be robust. You need to accept that someone may say things that you disagree with that may even offend you, but that's not enough to stop their speech. It's where it crosses a different line about violence or intimidation or humiliation. I think there's a problem. As we've seen, it's easy to get blindsided by the culture wars over 18C. Offended and insult, the words often used as an attack on 18C are not actually a problem. If there is a problem with 18C in isolation, it's that its proponents don't understand or refuse to understand how it works in practice. But we do have a problem with protecting free speech in this country, and the problem goes to the heart of our democracy. Here's Professor George Williams again. One of the problems in Australia is we don't have clear limits when it comes to freedom of speech. We've got an implied freedom of political communication in the Constitution, um, but otherwise there is no general protection and whole forms of speech are almost completely unprotected. Artistic speech, for example, or satire, comedy. Um, I think the starting point is to actually set down a general protection of freedom of speech. Um, You can't pretend that there are bright lines to be applied, though, and uh, the test you'd normally apply is to say that free speech ought to exist unless there's a compelling, strong, contrary reason why you should actually wind it back. It might be, for example, you do wind it back in order to prevent violence against people in the community. You wind it back because you don't want someone shouting fire in a crowded theatre and causing public panic. But it needs to be compelling. And at the moment, we have no reasonable standard to be applied because we simply don't have any good, strong protection of free speech in the first place. That actually sounds quite reasonable to me. Uh, But specifically in terms of 18C, what does George think? My view is if you think a democratic standard is important, you should protect it. And, uh, of course, Section 18C is not a protection of freedom of speech. It says you can't engage in certain speech, but there's defences that can be applied that limit the scope of that provision. Uh, What we don't have is something separate to those that you'd find in a human rights statute or something of that kind that's stock standard in every other democratic country that says free speech is important, it deserves to be protected, and we read other provisions like Section 18C against that section to determine whether it's reasonable and whether it can be sustained. Okay, so 18C is not the problem. It's more that we don't have, enshrined in law, an overriding protection of free speech to counterbalance all of the laws that limit it. Now, if all this is sounding just a bit academic, consider this. George Williams isn't overly concerned about 18C and its effects on free speech. He doesn't see 18C as the major problem. Well, if you start with Section 18C, we're talking about a provision here that won't put anyone in jail, that's not likely to cost them money. On the other hand, we have uh, anti-terror provisions which enable journalists to be jailed uh, where they reveal government wrongdoing with regard to intelligence services. Uh, We've also got the ability to ban organisations because of their speech and jail their members even when they don't agree with the speech of the organisation. So we have sections on the book that really run counter to a free press, run counter to the idea of people being able 
people to freely express their opinions. And they're sections that lead to jail of you know, 10 or more years sometimes, merely for a person's speech rather than their actions. Well, hang on, that's a bit shocking. Uh, journalists can be sent to jail for writing a story critical of the government? I mean, that seems like the real debate we should be having about free speech in this country. Yes, but not the debate we're currently having, which is caught up in a left versus right war over 18C, a disingenuous debate about the words offend and insult. 18C has never been about hurt feelings, and although some refuse to admit it, it's essentially a law that aims to stop public race-hate speech. So this left-right slanging match over 18C, although buried in the Senate, it may continue to rage on as right-wing groups call for this to be an election issue. And while a small L liberal like Turnbull steadies the ship on a big C conservative party, it's likely we're going to see a sustained attack on 18C by angry white men. 18C is being defended by self-appointed representatives of Armenian, Hellenic, Indian, Chinese, Vietnamese, Japanese, Jewish, Lebanese Muslim and Arab groups. These largely self-appointed representatives do not subscribe to Australian values. If you're wondering if David Lynham believes there should be any limits to free speech... We have self-appointed representatives of Jewish Australians wanting to suppress Holocaust denialism. Labor and the Greens are doing the bidding of these self-appointed representatives in the hope of votes from the various immigrant groups. And in the process, they are selling out Western values. Lynham believes even denying the Holocaust upholds Western values. I think all of us now have an idea what was at stake during the 18C debate. Thanks for listening. Our next episode is the last for this series of Just Words. We're going to pay a visit to a little-known 18C case that plays out in the front yards of a suburban street in Western Australia. A low-lying fence and a bigoted neighbour sees years of racial slurs rain down on a normally happy family. So how does 18C help end racial abuse for everyday Aussies? I'm your host, Nick Healy. Tune in next time to find out. Just Words was created by Anthony Dockrell. This episode produced by Anthony Dockrell with production assistance from Nina Copel and Emma Lancaster. Our executive producer is Emma Lancaster. Miles Martignoni is our supervising producer and he also did the sound design. Original theme music composed by Joe Koning. Research and assistance by Miles Herbert, Joe Koning, Taylor Fuller and Shane Anderson. Marketing communication support by Andy Huang. Now if you like what you heard, why don't you go back to the start and listen in to some of our other episodes. We can just dip in and out and download the episodes that take your fancy. This podcast is proudly made in the studios of 2SER 107.3 and you can donate or support the station so we can keep making great audio. Just head to 2SER.com. Oversight for this series by 2SER station manager Melanie Withnall. And don't forget to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. It, uh, it helps other people find just words and a big thank you to the people who've already left some kind words for us The team loves hearing from you, so keep those stars coming.